look at some of the examples that we have throughout the old and new, and you say, hey, God is, and if you are rich, God is blessing you. Although God may indeed be blessing you, but you could make a theology of your own on that, and you would be in error. Or you can go the other way and look at some scriptures and just say, God only loves the poor. He doesn't like the rich. Or you can say that God favors wealth over, or wealth is the ultimate. But if you take these scriptures in the way that they were written and you look at the thread throughout the Bible, you will get a good and accurate view. We're going to look at some of those today um, from the Proverbs. And so we can kind of temper our hearts and see where God wants us to be. First thing I want us to know about that, Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9, is the extremes of riches and poverty both have temptations associated with them that we must be warned of. Understand this, the extremes on either end um, uh, uh, have temptations in them. Proverbs 30 chapter 7 says, two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say who is the Lord, or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. And so you see two extremes there. And, uh, and the warning is not saying being in either of those extremes are sinful. No, it's saying that though ex- those extremes carry temptations with them and warnings. For the rich, he says, be careful because you can be so well-resourced with this world's possessions that you think you don't need God. I got it. And we've been around and... We may have been some of those people that we are well-resourced enough that we just kind of, you know, wane in our time with the Lord. And as the resources grow, God begins to become more and more unfamiliar with our presence with him. We don't see that church. You start to wane on your own personal devotions. Life is good. Hey, I can buy anything I want when I want. I got it. I've got it made. The temptation when you have an abundance of resources is to deny your need for God. First Timothy puts it this way, chapter 6. Thought that I had that one pulled up, but I guess I really do need it right here. says, look, the warning is verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, Paul gets very specific. He's not talking about spiritual riches, so you can't spiritualize it. Those that are rich in this present age, their possessions, what does he say? Charge them or warn them not to be haughty. Why? Because that's a temptation. You think you're all that. Nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly 
provides us with everything we enjoy. He gives them some perspective. He says, look, the warning, he didn't say don't be wealthy. He's not crushing them. He says, let me just warn you. The temptation is you will get, as when I was coming up, it was said, you will get the big head. You will think you are so much as your resources grow. And then he says, and you begin to set your hope on it. You begin to think that, hey, my security is in my resources, in the neighborhood I live in, in the job that I have, until God has to remind you in allowing any of those things to be taken that there is so much uncertainty in them. In my health, I may be someone that keeps an eye on my health all the time, and I think that my health is just by my hand. So how many times I'm in the gym, how healthy I eat, all those things have their place. But if your security is just in that and not in the strong hand of the Lord and of, of our God, he says you're in an uncertain place. Or you think the opposite because I don't have that somehow God is against me. God doesn't like me. You know, because my neighborhood is not well-resourced, the Lord doesn't care about how many times that I've spent with people that are from areas that are under-resourced and they think that God does not care about them because of all the problems that they have. And it couldn't be so much further from the truth. Your resources or lack of resources is not a determinant of how God feels about you or thinks about you. And so he says for us, the extremes must be warned. For the poor, it is that I have the temptation is, hey, y'all owe me because I don't have anything. And so it's okay if I steal from my neighbor. It's okay if I rob you. If I, it's, it's, it's okay if I lie to get that thing that I want. Why? Because I'm poor. And I'll try and throw the guilt trip on you. And God says, let neither be the case. Second one. The rich and the poor are the same in the eyes of the Lord. That's just what I just alluded to. We tend to think because we are um, either well-resourced or we are not well-resourced that God loves one of us more. We, we talk a lot about, about those that are a phrase that really isn't used much now, but the down and out. And I remember at my time um, when I spent on staff with crew, um, there was a ministry which initially just caught my eye. I was a guy, as you know, um, grew up in New York City, and, and I was very familiar with the down and out. You are reminded of the homeless every day. I, you could not walk the street in New York City and not recognize homelessness as an issue. It just wouldn't happen. But then I heard this phrase from s some of the staff and crew that were ministering to the up and out, and I was like, what's the up and out? Is that a thing? And they said, that person who was wealthier without Christ, do you think Christ doesn't think about them as well? That is that person that has all the resources in the world that they need, and yet they don't have the one thing that they need, and that's Christ. That's for the businessman or woman that, that, that 
thinks, I mean, I have succeeded. I have I've become that millionaire before 40. I have people writing articles about me, but I don't know Jesus. He said, those are the up and out. And I got introduced to this other world of people that were beginning to share testimonies like I was climbing the ladder to success, realizing that my ladder was leaning against the wrong building. And that I was climbing to this point to nowhere. And I realized that as I was presented with the gospel and it changed everything for me. But the rich and the poor are the same. Proverbs 22, chapter 2 says, the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. And for those of us today, let's not determine God's care and love for us based on either your abundance or your lack at any given moment. I still remember years ago as we were studying in Zurich with this Bible study fellowship group, and the teacher said something that just, just blew my mind. I loved it, and I've been reminded of it throughout when he said, never determine the love of God by what's happening to you in any given point in time in your life. He says, always gauge the love of God by the cross. Period. Always gauge, how much does God love me? Look at the cross. Regardless of what's happening in your life at any point. And, and, and that was great for me to hear. I heard years ago when I heard that. And, and, and now I'm, I'm still reminded that when I feel that something is happening, God, it feels like you don't love me. God says, you're looking at the wrong thing to gauge my love. You should be looking at the cross. Because God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died. Third thing. Poverty is not a badge of spirituality. And some may want to lead you to think that is not a badge of spirituality. Proverbs 19.4. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friends. And we want to think that that is somehow a badge of spirituality. No, poverty is not pretty. Proverbs 14.20. Turn there just for a moment. 14.20 says, the poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. Now, Proverbs is not saying that that's, what's, that that's right, but that's what happens. Poverty is not pretty. It's not desired, but we know that it is present. But the ultimate is not being rich. Fourth thing. Don't focus on keeping up with others. Lord, in our society today, um, we have a friend who actually was the pastor of the church that we were at before I pastored it in uh, Germany. And I remember meeting up with him. We were all here back in the States, and he had been back here for a little while. And I asked him. I said, what is it that was your greatest struggle? Because we were at that point thinking we were preparing to move back after being 
overseas for almost nine years. And so we were just like, I asked him, I said, what is it that you struggled with the most? What is it that was hardest? And he said to me, and I got it when we got back. He said, the materialism of the Christian living, he said, was so discouraging. He had served in France as a missionary. He had served in Tunisia. He had served in Germany. And he said, when I got back, the hardest thing was the, was, was, was the materialism, was the consumerism of not just the American, of the believing, of, of, of the believer here in America. We are so controlled by our comfort that we will do ungodly things to maintain it. I was like, wow. And so we keep up with others. Proverbs 12, 9 reminds us, better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man, than to play the great man and lack bread. You know how many people are playing the great man today and are broke? Their credit is keeping them in the game. They are, they are pretending greatly. Why? Because they're trying to keep up with the people around them because, because for them, their status is embedded in what they have or what they do. And so I need to present this image even if it takes me into major debt. I got to let you see I got it together even though really I don't have it together. He said better to be lonely and have a servant actually speaks of your elevated status than to play and be the great man. Stop for a second. God says, be who I've allowed you to be at any given moment in time. And if that is, my life is very basic and very simple, and you are trusting in Christ, God said, that's where I have you. It doesn't mean that's where you're always going to be, but even if you are, God says, that's where I have you. Because your life in me is not gauged on your material status or your lack of it. In other words, in, but it's more in how are you using the gifts and talents that I've given you. In other words, having money is not the ultimate security. Proverbs 11, having money is not the ultimate security. Proverbs 11 verse 7 says, when the wicked dies, his hope will perish, and the expectation of wealth perishes too. See, we know, and even though people will bury material things with them, we know you are not taking that with you. And all of your influence, all of who you are, everything, all of your directing people because of your wealth, because of your high status, you're on the world's richest woman list, the world's richest man's list. It doesn't matter. The day you die, it all ends, period. And whoever you were or were not before the Lord kicks in the play. And so it's a reminder to us, we can play the game of, of, of telling folk what to do and being this person of high influence and I'm running things and when I walk in, people stand at attention and people are always looking to please me or get my approval that ends the day you die. 
verse 28 of that same chapter. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Once again, it's not bad to have it. God is not saying don't, but he's saying if you are banking on it being your ultimate, you are setting yourself up for disaster. Next one. We have just a couple more to go. The Lord is against, and I put against in all caps on my notes. The Lord is against those who get rich by injustice. Go to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22 has quite a few of those. Proverbs 22. Verse 16 says, Whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich will only come to poverty. Let me read that again. Because our society does not mind oppressing the poor. God minds it highly. Whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich will only come to poverty. Verses 22 and 23, do not rob the poor because he is poor. Hear that statement. People will oppress and will rob the poor because they know they don't have the resources to fight back. I can do it to you because I know you can't fight, regardless of what it is. Bad business practices, bad lending practices, bad community resources, bad policing, it doesn't matter. I know I can do it. I know I can get away with it because you don't have the resources that is going to allow pushback to happen. Do not, verse 22, do not rob the poor because he is poor or crush the afflicted at the gate. And that gate speaks of the area of decision making for the town and village. For the Lord will plead their cause and rob of life those who rob them. It, it, in essence, the Lord will plead their cause. God will become their attorney. You ever had those cases where you have the best and well-known and highest attorney, and then some poor guy comes into court one day, and that person is his attorney, and everyone is going, where did he get that counsel from? Oh, they just decided to do it for him. See, he says, the Lord takes up their cause. And you may look around and say, it doesn't look like the Lord is taking up their cause. You don't know what the Lord is doing. You don't know all the ins and outs. And you may think it's some sort of off-to-the-side thing for the Lord. He considers it front and center. Keep robbing them because you know you can get away with it. And I'm going to show you how I take up their cause. And he says, and I'll deal with you. And he says, I'll rob you. I'll rob you. Who is going to stop God from taking from someone else? No one. Who is going to stop him from causing you to hit an edge, no one. So the issue becomes, let God take up the cause, although we stand in those causes for justice because it is out of our love of God and our love of his people that we do it. 
Next one. Hard work is still the best way to acquire wealth. It's hard work. It's still. It doesn't mean you will be rich. You know, I, 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 I tire of the memes that say, hey, just keep working your plan and you'll be rich one day. That, that's not true. Your plan may keep you average all your life. So what? Are your needs provided for? Are you getting the things that you need? And you may even get some of the things that you want. But because all of the great marketing strategies tell you, nah, that, that, that can't be it. I'll never forget years, years ago, this commercial was out and it was this poor guy in the gym. You know, and I thought, look at what they're actually saying. This guy in the gym and over the loudspeaker in the gym says, well, the owner of the and they describe this raggedy station wagon. Please go out to the parking lot. You left your lights on. And this guy is about ready to shrink underneath the weight bench. And he's standing there looking, you know, like, OK, I need to go. But do I go? Because they know that's me. And then it tags to the. You can get this new car today. And I was like, really? What they just did is shamed this man for where he could be and trying to get him in a place that he probably can't afford to be because of how it looks to others. That was a TV commercial. I'll never forget that. I was like, wow. They are and they are playing on those fears of all those who are in that position. Go get that new car. And I'll say, did you pay the current one off? Yes. Then what's your problem? Hard work is still. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. That's the only one that I'm going to read for the sake of time for us. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard. You guys remember this when we read it. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, office, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber. And want like an armed man. Some of us are in the position of a lack of resources that we have because of our, our, our refusal to have good practices around work and around saving and around our perspective. That's not everyone. So we're not going to paint everyone with that brush. Oh, they're all just lazy. Mm, you don't know everyone. And no, that's not everyone. But there are some that refuse, that will not, and just think, I can just, I can just lay around just a little longer. I'll take care of it later. No one plans to be poor, but their actions lead to it many times, or their lack of actions. The Lord loves generosity to the poor. The Lord loves generosity in general. But generosity to the poor. This is our next to last one. Proverbs 14, 21. Do they not go? Oops, that's the wrong one. 14, 
21. I can't read through this. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he, I mean, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Now, your poverty, I mean, your, your generosity doesn't save you. Your generosity doesn't put you on a higher standing with God. You can't give your way into heaven. You can't give your way into approval for God. But out of your heart for God and your love for him will flow your generosity. Verse 31 of that same chapter. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. And by the way, just in case you don't know what he's talking about, it's talking about God. You've insulted God when you oppress the poor. But he who is generous to the needy honors him. Do you hear that? Where do we get our perspective about why we give? Why do we serve those who are without resources? We want them to know ultimately that God loves them. And if they don't know him, to come and know him. But we also are there with a redeeming presence bringing about relief from the effect of sin, whether it's their sin or whether it's a systemic sin that has caused the situations that they can't hurdle. Doesn't matter. You will be someone who honors God with how you give. Lastly, God is the most generous. See, you can't outgive God. As much as we think we can, Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruit of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. The issue becomes honor the Lord in that he will in turn. Proverbs 22, 9, as we finish this one up, says to us, um, <coughs> Proverbs 22.9 says, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the Lord. In other words, what is inferred here is God is the blesser of it. And ultimately, God is the one who gave his best, his one and only son, so that you and I could live. That was his best gift. And regardless of what he gives to us materially or what he gives to us in our health or what he gives to us in any other area, he ultimately gave his best when he gave Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins of man so that you and I can be in relationship with him. Because ultimately, whatever our wealth is, it can't compare to righteousness. It can't compare to holiness and it surely can't compare to eternity with God in his presence. You can take it all if you are going to grab my eternal relationship with Christ. Oh, it'll hurt. I'm not going to pretend that it won't. Oh, you may grab everything I have, but the one thing you can never take is my relationship with God because you didn't buy it. He bought it with the blood of his son. And if you don't have that, you are missing the ultimate that you can have. And as you engage your world, what we have to realize is we give and bring things that will relieve people from the effects of sin on this world. And we should do that. 
But if we are not bringing Christ to them as well, all we are doing is helping them to feel good while they're on their way to a lost eternity. And what a waste. What a waste. So we plead with people, be reconciled to God as we also bring the help of the resources that God has given us to apply to their situation. Whether we think they deserve it or not, can we get away from the deserving poor? Well, he deserves it because he, well, she deserves it because she. God didn't ask you to decide who, to decide who deserves it or not. None of these scriptures I mentioned talk about you discerning who's deserving. All of it talks about you giving out of a heart of generosity and you helping to relieve and you bringing Christ to them and you allowing them to see who God is. Job would say as he was trying to defend his cause because he didn't understand the suffering that he has. He spoke and he said, the widow rejoiced at my name and at my presence when she saw me. Why? He, because she knew I was standing up for her. I was one who was known to give and to stand up for and to use my influence for righteousness. How are you using yours? How are you using your resources, whether they be material, intellectual, influential? How are you using your resources for the Lord and not just yourself. Oh, we can probably see how they're using you and you're using them for yourself. I can just look at maybe where you live or or what you drive or what you wear or who you hang out with. But how are you using them for the Lord? I'll put it two questions for the end. What will your perspective be about money and possessions? Will it be that which is based on the culture? Or will it be that which is based on the scripture and in Christ? Because sometimes they will stand opposed. Many times they will. And it regardless of if it's people that look like you or not, if they oppose Christ, where do you stand? And if they are for Christ, where do you stand with them? The issue becomes for us. God has a perspective on money and possessions. This is not exhaustive. We could talk for several days about this. But the issue is some key things for us to remember about what the Lord wants from us and for us and that we need to keep our focus on. Our world is materialistically driven, period. Get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the bench. Y'all ever heard that? Some of y'all have. Get all you can. Those are in the canning. Can all you get and sit on the can. That's how it works. I got mine. You go get yours. That's not the Lord. And for us, there is a way that the Lord wants us to live. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, that you alone are the one that gives us the right perspective of how we are to live in your world. Yes, this world has been tainted by sin. Yes, this world is, is, is under the effect and the consequences, but you came and changed that in Christ. 
so that those who are in you and are now in your kingdom represent a new set of values, are set on a new mission, and are, and, and are themselves new and made new. And I pray, God, that we live out of that newness. Father, that our values are based on you and not our society. Not even our families if they oppose you. Father, may we represent you well. And those that don't know you, may they see how great it is to know you. And that is the only way to live out how life was intended was in you and through you. We ask you this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, you may be sitting here and you see yourself um, on the side where God doesn't want you. And if that's the case, that is a prayer away and a decision away to fix. God, I want to be where you want me to be. And I would encourage you to go through the scriptures and align yourself with the Lord. And if you want us to pray with you, I would love to pray with you afterwards. But if you're here today and if you're watching today and you've never had that initial relationship with Christ, you've never asked for your sins to be forgiven, you've never recognized that Jesus is God's only provision for sin, that can change today too. And you can allow the Lord to work in your life and to change you and to set you on a course with purpose. Oh, he's not going to just have it easy. Don't believe that lie. You come to Christ, life's going to get easy. No, it may actually get harder. But you have that purpose, and you have that sense of destiny, and you know that your life is in his hands, and that regardless of what happens or is happening, he's got you, and he's covering you. And so it's not in vain whatever you're suffering. But if you've not made that decision, you can today. Maybe you've made that decision, and, and boy, life is hard right now. Can I ask you just to trust in him and what he says and not what it looks like around you? He promises that he will be with you and take care of you. He didn't promise that he will resolve it your way. He just promised that he would be in step with you, and that's all you want. Is your life to be approving by God knowing that he's got you along the way. God, well, will my finances change? I don't know. God, will my health change? I don't know. God, will my friends change? I don't know. But I know one thing, you have him, and he is all you will need to make it through what you're going through or make it in life in general. So decide what you're going to do, amen? I'm going to turn it back over so that we are able to be dismissed. Thank you guys again for coming this morning. Thank you, Solid Word, for uh, coming to service today. Those of you that are here, thank you for being here and being in the building. And for our virtual audience, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you to the Bustles and the Gradys, and, uh, who I know are part of our virtual audience. And thank you to the visitors, um, both our first-time visitors and our returning visitors. We do know that you have a choice in where you go, 
and we are happy that you chose to worship with us today. Um, and, and with that, we will be dismissed. Um, as you know, for the people in service, we dismiss in sections. So I will just remind you that uh, these two sections dismiss through the back door, and then these two sections dismiss through the side door. Um, also a reminder, the giving box is back on the uh, outside this door. And I don't remember if they put a basket over here. Um, I, I see a no happening. So if anybody in this section has something to give, then go back that direction. <laughs> I'm taking my instructions very well. All right. Thank you again for visiting us or for worshiping with us. Um, I do hope that something has happened in our service that you will take with you this week in order to have an even better week than it would have been if you would not have been with us. Thank you and God bless.